The vibration of change, that magical place where life shifts from struggle to ease, from stagnation to forward movement, from old ways of being to new ways of becoming. Yes, it can seem rather elusive to get there, but when you are in it, you feel it down to your very core, and it can positively affect everything in your life, from your relationships to your health and well-being, from your career path to your abundance, from the quality of your inner connection to the fullness of your self-expression. Here on The Christine Uptrich Show, we explore ways to get into that vibration of change with experts in the fields of consciousness, psychology, spirituality, health, healing, and science. Are you ready to step into your vibration of change? Hello, everybody. Welcome. You might be listening live here on 1150 AM KKNW in the Seattle area or on TransformationTalkRadio.com from around the world or perhaps on Facebook Live on my professional page um, or after the fact on one of the dozens of podcasts that sends up. But wherever and whenever you're joining us from today, we're grateful you're here. And I think that you're going to be grateful you're joining us here too because we are going to be talking about a subject in a slightly different way, in a transformational way, um, in a different way than we've talked about it before. But before I get into what that is, I want to say hello to the people behind the technology. Mr. Benny Mathers at KKNW. Hey, Benny. Hi, Christine. I remember the olden days when I used to do this across the yeah. counter from you. <laughs> well, we still are. It's just a virtual counter. I think we're still exactly. within range. I think you're, uh, in, when you were in the studio, we're about three, four feet away. And I'm now looking at a screen about three, four feet away. There we go. It all still works out. Same old, same old, I guess. You then. got it. And Olivia, thank you for doing what you're doing at the TTR end. Of course. You know, we've talked about creativity here before on the, oh my goodness, it's, I don't know how many shows we've done at this point, probably 400. Um, but we're going to be talking about it in a different way. And I'm really excited about our guest today. He's been here before a couple of times, Jacob Nordby. He is a writer, a creative coach, and he's the teacher of this popular online course called Creative Unboot Camp, which I love that name. He's the author of a wonderful book called Blessed Are the Weird, a manifesto for creatives. And he's the founder of the Blessed Are the Weird Facebook community page, which has over 100,000 engaged followers. Um, and he has a new book out too. It's called The Creative Cure. And we're gonna talk to him about why creativity is going to help us with not only our own transformation, but the revolution of our planet. I'd like to welcome our guest today, Jacob Nordby. Hey, Jacob. Hey, Christine. I'm so happy to be back. Nice to have you here. And I think this is the first time we've done um, a face-to-face -face during, during the interview. It's always been audio. So um, we, we've had a little evolution in the in revolution of the show, too. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny. Over the last year, I've had to get comfortable. I'd never wanted to ever go on Skype or anything before. And uh -huh. now it's okay, you know? Right. Well, you know, I've been doing audio interviews since probably 2004. And I remember the first time I had a television interview, you know, it was like all the stress of the, like, I felt like my throat was tightening and my palms were sweating. And now it's, it's still, there's a, a level of stress that's not there with audio, but it's, um, it's really nice to be able to see guests face to face. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'm really curious about why you personally have focused on creativity as a cure. Mm. 
Wow, an interesting question. You know, I had this book written in 2018 and then was led into, and I wasn't quite happy with the first, I think that was the third or fourth draft, Christine. Something didn't feel like it had connected the dots yet. And during that winter, I was led down a path of real insight and healing in my own personal trauma history. Um, and I felt I, my deadline for rewriting the draft was looming and I just knew that something important was happening there. And so I let myself go deeply into that for the next month and a half. And I didn't know that it would be a month and a half, just oh. knew that I had to go there. I had read The Deepest Well and Body Keeps the Score and had my eyes really opened to some connection that had been damaged in my own life. And I'd been writing books and teaching for all these years. And so it was really a humbling experience to go into that. And as I came through that and developed some of the practices that are in this new book for myself though, um, this light went on for me. Oh, we don't need to get more creative. What's inside our true inner self is already completely formed. It's whole, it's vibrant what we need to do is heal the connection to it. So I came to call that the inner creative self. I love that. Heal the connection to it. Because, um, you know, most of us, when we think back to when we were little, you know, three, four, five, yes. we're very creative. Even, even in the midst of dysfunctional family, even in the midst of trauma, there's this playfulness that is, it's, it's like, it's, it's a part of our daily lives. What happens to people that cuts that connection? Mm. Well, as it developed, you know, it, I began to identify what I call the three enemies of creativity, Christine. So socialization, and that's such an interesting thing because it's not like some evil force. It's how we all learn how to be adult humans, you know, mm -hmm. and in uh, kindergarten and um, with our well-meaning caregivers, they teach us how to become humans. We have to learn through imitation of other people, but that's part of that process that learn, teaches us to quit focusing on what's going on inside and begin imitating others just to become human. Learn how to read, walk, you know, eat, all these things, talk. So that's one thing. Socialization is part of it. And then the second one is traumatic experiences. Um, and those are the big, you know, traumas, the severe traumas, but also living through the world right now, 2020 for most of us was an incredibly traumatic year. Um, and the third one is fear of rejection and experiences mm -hmm. of rejection. So those three things stand up and begin to bruise and tatter that connection to our inner self. Mm -hmm. So how do you define creativity? Mm -hmm. It's funny, the, uh, the first line in the introduction, which eventually got taken out um, through the editing process, but I still love it, um, was we need to rescue creativity from the arts. Mm. And uh, oh, the, oh, I like that. <laughs> the, yeah. the editors decided to soften that up a bit, but, I, but I, I say that and then I followed up right away. It's like, not that artists and inventors and geniuses don't get to have it, but we need to take it back um, for everyone. It's not just for people we see as artists. So I've come to really see creativity as the essential energy of life itself. It is the spark. Yeah. Okay, so when people think about creativity, they think in terms of 
the arts, like, you know, some people say, oh, I just can't write or I can't draw or, you know, I can't whatever that that we think of as a version of art. Um, So what is it besides those things that's creativity? Well, when we think of the, you know, the roots of creative, create, when we begin to think of, okay, I came here as this being, this spark showed up here. (laughs) Um, I've begun to see creativity as the electricity of the true self, of the soul, we might want to say. It is meant to flow through every part of our life. And those of us who are committed to restoring it, to reclaiming that connection, will find that this energy and intelligence and vitality, it seeks to find its way in every part of my life, not just in what we'd call the arts, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I think that based on my own journey and also, you know, connecting with some of my clients, it seems to me that healing the trauma is an important part of restoring that. What is it about childhood trauma in particular that um, not only severs that connection, but keeps our, our inspiration and our joy tamped down enough so that we don't feel inspired to be creative? Yeah, wow, if we were doing a, uh, a workshop right now, I'd pull out this graphic and show you this tree and it shows the, um, the branches and leaves. I think I was taken from um, the EFT practices, you know, um, but it shows the branches and leaves these symptoms of, of traumatic experiences, you know, and these are the things that show up in our life, like procrastination and clutter and addictions and weight problems and all sorts of things. It's fascinating. And the trunks of that tree are the events, you know, the things that happened at home, um, Mm -hmm. with, alcoholic parents or abuse or these other things being bullied at school, but the roots are what are, this is what really interests me, Christine, because the roots of that tree in this graphic, those are the, are the deep limiting beliefs. I'm not good enough. I'm not Mm -hmm. safe. I'm not lovable. I'll be abandoned. Mm -hmm. Those core things. What happens is precognitive. It's like, we don't even, many of us don't know our names when some of these things begin to install those beliefs then that run the show for the rest of our lives until we begin to unwind it and heal it. So what does not feeling good enough have to do with um, stifling our creativity? Well, oh my God, what a great question. You know, I, um, I saw this report done by the World Economic Forum in 2019, and they do this every five years, and they look at what are the necessary skills for the coming, you know, year Um, And in 2020, they said creativity had moved from the bottom of the list up to number three. Um, And some other things had entered like, you know, empathetic sort of softer skills, um, intuition, not in those exact words, but this is the World Economic Forum, big data people, you know, concerned with economics. And that made me really curious. So I sent out a study to 10,000 people and did a smaller test and said, what are your greatest challenges with creativity? Um, and the top one was over 74% of people, Christine said, I doubt my talents and abilities. I don't think I'm good enough. So then this connection began to form for me. What we believe about our creativity is what we believe about ourselves. Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. 
So I, I know that you talk a lot about the importance of joy and we'll get into that further, but can creativity be a part of healing the trauma so that, that there's pain flowing as we're being creative? Mm, yes. I've uh, had the opportunity to work with some amazing art therapists and, mm -hmm. and people who are involved in movement and um, I mean, yoga, but also dance um, and really sort of primitive forms of expression and as I've been able to do some research and talk with them, they demonstrate, and in the, in the book, The Body Keeps the Score, they specifically break it down from a research and medical basis, what it's doing in the brain to return to some of these activities like drawing or um, doodling or daydreaming, some things that mm -hmm. we probably got told to stop doing when we were kids because we're supposed to sure. grow up and get serious, right? But yeah. they talk about what happens in terms of reconnecting the neural pathways and healing those connections back to the right side of the brain and how that begins to reconnect us, right? Yeah. Yeah. And talking about the connection to the right side of the brain, that brings up this concept of, of intuitive flow, the, the, the connection to whether you call it the quantum field or the divine or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. So um, what does that have to do with creativity? Ask me again, because I, my, my, my brain went into the quantum field all of a sudden. So I want to make sure I answer your question. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's see if I can retrieve my question from the quantum field. Right. Um, so intuition, that, that connection to the right side of the brain. So it seems to me that if we're connecting to create a flow, which tends to be the right side, I know that's an oversimplification according to what scientists say, but the right side of the brain, the right side of the brain also relates to intuition. So how are intuition and creativity connected? Ooh. Or are they connected? Oh, I mean, I love that. Yeah, my friend, uh, Chris, Dr. Chris Niebauer, he's a, a, a neuropsychologist and he's a professor and he wrote a book a few years ago called No Self, No Problem, but he's approaching left and right brain things. And he says, you know, the left brain is the interpreter, it's the storyteller, it's the organizer, but the right side of the brain is what connects us to um, what seem to be unconnected patterns, to emotion, to feeling, to all of these things. And what's interesting to me, Christine, the deeper I go into this study and then practice and experience for myself and with clients, the more I notice that sometimes, and maybe often, maybe all the time, the deep wisdom of the senses in our bodies is often overlooked. And in the Western mm -hmm. cultures, the modern world, we are so rewarded for left brain activities that we get mm -hmm. very, very disconnected. Right. From and, and we're sort of connected from here up as opposed to exactly. connecting to the body's wisdom too. Yeah. No, exactly. Yeah. I can't remember which um, famous psychologist said um, most most therapy unfortunately stops at about the level of the chin. So getting people connected into <laughs> their great. bodies again, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I know that I've had some of the, the most important insights and release relating to trauma when focusing on aspects of something going on in my body because the the body stores things. I mean, clearly the energy field does too, you know, it's in, and, and the mind gets stuck in certain patterns, but the, it's waiting in the body to be retrieved and, you know, observed and loved and released. Um, so that seems like an important part of it. So how, how is the body related to creativity? 
Well, when you think about, so, you know, you and I have been in this world for so long and in the spiritual world, there's so much etheric about it. But when you think about the, what I, what I sometimes call sort of poetically, I guess, this self of you that has descended into a body and is the fingertip of God touching the earth, if you want to use that sort of phrasing, mm-hmm. it we can't be here without our bodies, you know? And so as I see healing this connection, like this vast, powerful psyche and self and original self, soul, whatever we want to call that, embodied in this physical frame to create something requires my body. So therefore healing the connection and the joy um, and health in my physical expression in some way is an integral part of actually expressing creativity. Mm, Love that. I think of it in energetic terms as well. I think that in the spiritual community, people have focused on connecting with that higher frequency vibration, connecting with God, you know, whatever you want to call it. And yet, in order for us to transform our lives and to transform our world, we've, it's got like, kind of like we've got to be lightning rods. We've got to ground that light, which means bringing it into the body, which means paying attention to where it there's there's the stuckness, the where it's not flowing, and that relates to trauma. That relates to story patterns where we're stuck. You know, whatever. Um, so it seems like an integral part from you know, my perspective as an energy healer in terms of Mm -hmm. transformation as well. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I know that you've got certain exercises, you've got a a certain formula for approaching and reconnecting with our creativity. Can you share a little bit about that? Hmm. Yeah, you know, maybe like you, Christine, I had been using um, Julia Cameron's The Artist's Way and Morning Pages Mm -hmm. for years and years. She's great. Yeah. Yeah. And such a dear friend um, now. And what a, what a pleasure that is. But during that period of time, I told you about in the winter of 2019, you know, I, I felt intuitively that I really needed to reconnect to a meditative practice and I had been doing it, but something deeper needed to happen. And I would sit down and, um, I could feel this anxiety and I began to spot it when I, you know, looking at it through the lens of the deepest well and body keeps the score and these things, I began to look in the mirror and realize I have a lot of latent anxiety in my, in my own self. And I never thought of myself as a worried person, didn't have a big story about all these things that had happened to me. But then I began to understand that, oh, wow, this anxiety is actually heightened all of the time. And so when I sat down, I didn't have a complex meditative practice at the time and, and still don't, but I began to say the words, I would breathe in, I am loved, and I would breathe out, I am safe. Mm. Do that for some minutes. And I would breathe in, I am seen, and breathe out, I am enough. And you know, what's interesting was to note how my body rebelled. It absolutely wow. didn't feel that those things were true at that time. Right. And so I stuck with that. And little by little, day after day, I began to notice that that I would settle into that. And it was no longer, I need to go meditate. It's like, I need to go and do this because that actually changed the rest of my day. Mm-hmm. 
And I would notice that as I did the um, journaling work um, before that, it was almost like letting my inner self, almost like a toddler that needed attention. I began to develop these questions, very simple questions. How do I feel right now? What do I need that, right now? How do I feel right now? That, that seems like a simple question, but most people are so disconnected and I myself have been there and I'm there at certain moments as well these days. Um, how do I feel right now? Right now. Right now. And, and that's a powerful question to ask. That by itself. Yeah. And Christine, I think that so many of us who have, you know, and I'm sure in your audience, so many people have read the Four Agreements and Eckhart Tolle and all the wonderful teachers. And sometimes I think asking that question, I noticed it in myself when I started doing this, it, I would find myself answering how I should feel right now. Mm, I would start saying yeah. this is how I feel and they said, but I'm grateful, but I'm, and I'm like, oh wow, this needs more attention. How do I feel right now? <laughs> the new age fluff that's covering over the, you know, yeah. spiritually bypassing the, the stuff that's really there. That's, that's yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. And in the privacy of those pages and then later doing, doing the work and the rest, by the way, not just the work, but the rest of the meditative practice. Like it, it felt like giving a part of myself that had been orphaned a big hug and say, I, I thank you for telling me how you feel. And it's okay. Exactly how you feel is, is valid uh -huh. right now. Right. I, I love the way you put that. The part of yourself that was orphaned. Mm -hmm. What does that mean to orphan ourselves? Mm. Wow. Yeah, I, I feel like once again, going back to those three enemies, socialization, traumatic experiences, rejection, parts of us that weren't acceptable at some point in our lives, or even currently, we learned to deny them, we learned to drive them away and show up in a different way. Mm -hmm. And that that's the process over time of trying to become something we really aren't to yeah. fit in to, to be acceptable. And for me, you know, I was a math major. I did graduate work in statistics. I was a statistician for 15 years. Mm. Um, and I realized it was disconnected from my heart, but it took a, a health crisis for me to face that. Mm. Um, and yet I, looking back, I realized I wanted the approval of my father. My father was an actuary, statistician in the insurance industry. And there I was you know, doing something I was good at, but not for me not something that was connected to my heart. And it takes a lot of guts to actually not only face that part of ourselves that, that have been orphaned, mm -hmm. but to take action based on what they have to say and what their desires are. I, so I'm, I know you're, you're doing the interview here, Christine, but I would love, like, what were some of the really simple, small ways that you found to take that sort of action? Well, First of all, I think that one of the things that helped me was becoming a mother because um, I had been planning on going back to work. I, I was doing, I was working as a research statistician in cancer research, really good career, you know, and people were expecting me to go back. And I fell in such deep love with my baby. Mm -hmm. And at one point I'm like on the computer at 2 a.m. My baby's asleep upstairs. And I realized one thing's very connected to my heart, the other thing's not. It just that that yeah. awareness of that chasm between my heart and what I thought I should be doing was huge. So that was an important piece for me. Um, 
And then the other aspect was shifting, how do I put this? Kind of like shifting my tribe in a sense. And it first started with books because from the time I was young, um, like I could see energy of, of insects and, and animals and um, I was intuitive. And, and yet these things were not really talked about, not really okay. And then when I faced cancer, I ended up healing myself without any uh, medical treatment. It was like, it opened me up to searching for a new tribe because I found that through books and, and through seminars, finding a different sort of tribe to support me meant that I didn't have to be alone. That, that part of myself that had been orphaned um, was really very acceptable and, and it could thrive within the environment of a new tribe. God, I love that. Yeah. Okay, so um, I, we're going to go to a quick break, uh, but when we return, we're going to talk a little bit more about your formula. I love that you've laid things out in terms of um, our steps mm. to opening that connection to creativity. Stay tuned, folks, for more with Jacob Norby here in just a few moments. I'm Christine Upchurch, and this is a Stellar Reflections Minute. Years ago, when facing cancer, Without any immediate treatment options, I sought healing by making various life changes. For a while, I followed a very restrictive diet. I often found myself obsessing about which foods were good and which ones were bad. Then one day, I realized I was consuming foods based on fear, fear of not getting well. But I didn't want to make choices out of fear anymore. I decided it was far better for my immune system if I allowed myself to experience the joy that came from, say, eating frozen yogurt than it was for me to ingest the fear that came from avoiding it. Now, instead of choosing healthy habits based on fear, I try to make choices because they feel right and ultimately bring me joy and ease. How many of your healthy habits are really based on fear? Please visit StellarReflections.com or call 425-999-9836. That's 425-999-9836. Did you know that all of the shows on the Transformation Radio Network are available as podcasts to stream or download? Really? Check us out. Go to transformationradio.fm. We have business shows, spiritual shows, energy healing shows, and pretty much everything in between. Something for everyone guaranteed to inspire, educate, and transform. We are transforming the world one listener at a time. Are you feeling the complexity of life? Do you feel that urge to step into something greater? Tune in to Nailed It Radio. Find your simplicity within your complexity with me, life coach, Carrie Nail. Tune in each month on TransformationTalkRadio.com to discover what it means to use your full power to be the best version of yourself. Imagine stepping into the energy of saying yes to yourself and knowing you nailed it. For more information about me, visit CarrieNail.com. The vibration of change, that magical place where life shifts from struggle to ease, from stagnation to forward movement, from old ways of being to new ways of becoming. If you're like I am, it can be rather elusive to get there, but when you are in it, you feel it down to your very core, don't you? And it can positively affect everything in your life, from your relationships to your health and well-being, from your career path to your abundance. From the quality of that inner connection to the fullness of your self-expression. On the Christine Upchurch Show, we explore ways to get into that vibration of change, 
with experts in the fields of consciousness, psychology, spirituality, health, healing, and science. Join me, Christine Upchurch, every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on KKNW AM 1150 and Transformation Talk Radio and learn new ways to step into your vibration of change. Welcome back to the Christine Upchurch Show here on KKNW AM 1150 in the Seattle area and TransformationTalkRadio.com. Oh, I'm having a great conversation today with Jacob Nordby, who's an amazing writer and who's written a book called The Creative Cure. Uh, Jacob, you have a, a physical copy of the book there. I know it hasn't, it hasn't officially been released yet. Um, can you show our listeners what it looks like? And read us the subtitle, because it's a good one. Yeah, there it is. And the subtitle is, How Finding and Freeing Your Inner Artist Can Heal Your Life. Hmm. So freeing your inner artist, is it just about... Um, learning how to paint or um, learning how to play an instrument or is there more to it than that? <laughs> you know, it's been such an interesting experience to begin to do the work and, and joy of this healing I'm talking about in this book mm -hmm. and to discover how it wants to transform every part of my life, not just in what I would call art. And so for example, I'm sitting in a home now that I moved into a few months ago. And one of the things that I really didn't love about my life back at the time, you know, when I was writing this book was that I, I felt, you know, I was a single dad and had a, two or three kids at home and my house felt functional, but it never felt like me. And it's been interesting, uh -huh. Christine, to go through this. And um, as I moved in, I had this experience of furnishing a whole home and before it was always like no everything's fine I mean the furniture's fine everything works right um but I just noticed that um I had been trying to make my creativity go only through what is my art which is writing sure. and as I began to expand the definition and the experience of it I found that no my back porch wants to be artful too not just my words yes. you know yes and I personally love um Decorate a, decorating a home, not so much about like putting it all together. It's, it's about kind of evaluating the feel in a corner and, and the flow of the colors. And there's just something that can be so supportive of our personal environment, our, our home, that yeah. can be great fun, whether it's 500 square feet or 4,000 square feet. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's a way of, of expressing my, myself that I loved. And one of the things I found interesting is there are paintings on my wall that I used to love a whole lot. And I'm finding, oh, the colors are a little too dreary for my taste. So mm -hmm. as I've been changing and healing in a variety of ways, it's like I'm drawn to a different kind of expression hanging on my wall. Um, that interesting. Yeah. Well, you know, and I want to just be clear about something else. One of the experiences I had that really opened my eyes to why, why we need to move this outside of just the arts. As I was walking through this company that I had started with my brother many years ago, and he had taken over the CEO, and it's, it was a tech company, Christine. And he was talking to me about, you know, asking questions about the book that I was writing at the time. And he stopped and looked at me, and he's, he kind of had this wistful look in his eyes, and he said, you know, I love what you're doing, I'm just not that creative. And then we walked mm -hmm. into his office and he sat down and he had three screens and they were all filled with computer code that looked like the matrix, you know? And right. as he sat down, I could feel his whole, just the way he sat down and 
put his fingers on the keyboard and started working. And I said, Nate, you are it for me. I'm not a computer guy, but for me watching you do this, it's like watching Beethoven composing a symphony. Uh-huh. And he turned and he said, I've never thought of it that way. And so I've come to feel, Christine, that this energy, this creativity, this spark that is us, whatever it is that makes us feel truly alive, and it wants to transform the, our connection to our work for pay and our relationships at home and sure. all of it. Yeah. Okay, so you've talked about the importance of meditation um, mm-hmm. and I imagine that we can meditate in a variety of ways, including going out into nature. Um, I find that to be very meditative, very healing. What are some other aspects of the formula to reconnecting with our creative spark? Well, so the, what I've noticed as a formula is that there's it's, it's who plus why and we've heard about the why quite a bit in the last you know few years from Simon Sinek and others um, reconnecting with our purpose with our why um, so there's who plus why plus how equals what and what's interesting in our so that would be the goal or the result what's interesting in our culture with its emphasis on left brain activities and you know structured things like that is that we commonly focus on the what. So we sit down with the kid and we say, you need to get good grades. Mm. And then we back it up as far as the how. So now we're gonna talk about how many hours you need to spend in homework. So any of our goals then as adults, we generally start with the what and the result or the product. And then we say, well, let's reverse engineer and figure out how we will get that done. Very few people are led into why do I really do I really want that? And almost no one is led backward into who, who am I? Mm. Right? Yeah. But we find ourselves like I did at age 34 with several enterprises and a big house and a great big office and all of these markers of success and wondering why it all felt hollow. Because I was focused on the what I would, I, I had picked or accepted the goal of $10 million as being the important thing. And I really hadn't ever asked myself, who am I in this work that I'm doing? Do I care about it? Is it, is it aligned at all? So alignment has become such an important feature. And I find that when we line those things all up, the creative expression, the product of our life of what we are giving ourselves to it becomes so full of joy. It becomes like everything. Then the meal that I cook can be filled with one of my life purposes, not just this book I'm writing. Yeah. And, and one of the things um, I love about this concept of bringing creative creativity sort of out of the arts is that it also, I think relates to the wonder that we can experience as we're going about life. You know, it could be the, the little flowers we're finding on, a trail as we're hiking or just looking at the way the shadow is created as the sun, you know, sun comes through and hits an object. It's, Mm -hmm. it's about um, curiosity and awareness and being in the present moment, which seems so important too. Well, and it's funny to hear something like being in the present moment, you know, and again, I'm sure so many of your, listeners, you know, we've read the books and the idea of being present is important. And we all have that on our checklist. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> but learning to actually come into this present moment and learning to feel safe in it, 
and mm. learning the, the wisdom and the um, wow, the intuitive hits that happen when we actually learn how to do it rather than feel like I need to be present. Let me just be present and notice how I see my world, my own world right here through new eyes, you know? Right, right. Yeah, and as you were saying that, I could feel sensations in my body. I saw the visuals here. Mm. Um, I saw certain things in my imagination. It's, um, yeah, the, the, the present moment is probably pretty essential for um, any kind of creative expression, right? Well, and the, you know, the books uh, and all the wonderful research um, on flow, the flow state, how to reach it. Yes, it's like this interesting balancing point. And what I've come to find out is that anxiety, um, much of which is latent in our experience of the world now, um, mm -hmm. there's just a lot of underlying anxiety for all of us. And no matter if we meditate and do all the right you know, things, it's there and also it's cooked into our nervous systems because of those experiences we talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. And so learning to have a practice, Christina, daily practice of returning to safety. And there's this wonderful chart that I use a lot in my workshops and client work that shows the polyvagal curve of, you know, coming out of the green zone, which is where, where all that wisdom and simplicity and social connection and, all of the it's, the, it's the green, is the holy grail of spirituality and self-help really is the green zone. Sure. And so learning how to get there. Um, and there is a lot of um, processes, you know, meditations and complex things that happen, but learning how to go there on a daily basis, um, that to me has become this sort of secret formula. And what happens there doesn't necessarily, it's like, going and being quiet or taking a really you know calming walk or even a bath or something the the anxious mind wants to say you're not doing enough this is not going to get the rest of this stuff done what's fascinating is that is actual magic to go and relax into that moment on purpose and say this yeah. is where i am so it doesn't take a complicated mantra i'm finding uh-huh and i think that not only does that bring us into the present moment but it it's also we're, we're telling ourselves that we deserve it. Yes. And I think that, um, you know, I've, I've, um, I'm a recovering perfectionist in certain ways. <laughs> some ways I'm terrible things and I'm okay with it, but other ways I'm, I'm, I'm definitely still have some perfectionism. Yeah. But if we're looking for approval by what we're doing through what we're doing, then um, those that time that we're setting aside for ourselves or those moments that we're taking, it's, it's kind of a rebellious thing to do, mm -hmm. right? Wow. Yes, it is. And, and that kind of rebellion, I think is um, important. I mean, I, I believe in all sorts of rebellion. That's why <laughs> I'm writing about spiritual myths right now, but it's, we, we, we get stuck in societal stories Mm -hmm. And we get stuck in our own story within the context of the framework of um, what we've been taught. Um, and I know you talk about how exploring our stories is mm -hmm. an important part of opening that connection. Why is that? Well, it's interesting how the story is formed and how that becomes rooted in the identity. This is who I am. Uh -huh. And learning yeah. how to question, is that true? So this person, and that's part of the process. I have this 
I began to understand, and it took years and years, Christine, of working with clients and then, and then really testing it on myself as a guinea pig. I began to see this pattern emerge of self-discovery. Who am I? Who am I really? Um, and self-discovery leads to self-acceptance a little bit at a time. The more that mm. I let myself find out who I am, not who I've been told that I am, right? but who, who is this interesting creature in here? Um, the more I find that, the more I see that in a mirror and I use things like Myers-Briggs and Enneagram and the Strengths Finder and various things, you know, systems like that to begin to form a mirror. And I find that people and myself, um, there's this relaxation. It's like, oh, I'm not broken. That is, that is who I am. Oh, this is how I've been trying to adapt in a world or in a family or in a society, in whatever case, or at my work. And if I let myself rebel just a little bit privately where it's safe in my own space, uh -huh. maybe that can, and then I, then I find out that that fosters self-acceptance. Oh, I actually really love this, this person. Um, and for me, that's like clearing out the lungs and allowing creative expression to happen naturally. Because I feel that as we accept who we really are, creative expression should be and is as natural as breathing. Mm. Oh, I love that. I love that. You talk a lot about the importance of journaling. Mm -hmm. um, what kind of journaling practice do you recommend and why? <laughs> well, uh, you know, I, again, my, my own process really was found in the artist's way, the morning pages, and then dear friend Janet Connor's book, Writing Down Your Soul. It helped my weird psyche really connect to it um, in a new way, where it became this conversation and um, between different parts of myself on the page um, and seeing it show up on mm -hmm. paper like that. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Watching I, I, no, you're, you're really striking a chord here for me. Conversations between different parts of yourself. Can you expand upon that? And, you know, what is that? And why, why is that important? <laughs> well, I love Carl Jung's work. And then, you know, running into different people who develop things upon that. Um, internal family systems work. I, they, uh, that sure. was really transformative for me when I began to meet the different parts of me in there. Mm, right. And the protector parts and the parts that have been abandoned and rejected. And then learning how to begin getting them into dialogue in myself. Yeah. Um, God, what a relief that was. Um, and yeah. I found parts of me that had wanted voice since I was, you know, probably a three or four year old child and learning yeah. to tease them out and make them feel a little bit safe in the privacy of, of a journal. Yeah. And I love that about the, the safety, because I think that for many people and for many of us just through certain stages, we think that it's something to be avoided, something to be suppressed. We need to eliminate that piece of ourselves that is causing us issues, that, that shadow side, like heal it and release it, where it just needs to be seen and heard in a safe way. And you just have to create a different kind of relationship between like the adult you and, and the, the wounded child, you know, which is an oversimplification. Um, oh, no, but it's right. There it is, and learning to create safety for even the parts that we, we have seen as, oh my God, this will mess my life up. 
if I let this one out. If I said, you know, sometimes I'll assign that to clients, make a list of of how many times during a day you say I should or I shouldn't. I, you know, or I would have said this, just write it down. What would you have actually said in that moment? You don't have to say it to the other person. And then, and then let's begin to talk to the part that wants to say things that you're not letting it say again in safety and privacy where it's not, right. And we find that then and during that process that the things that we've seen as saboteurs or ugly, um, as we create safety for them to have a voice, they can become allies. Mm-hmm. It's funny because um, years ago when I um, was beginning to face a certain trauma, I had a dream and I was in this glass house mm-hmm. and there was a five-year-old girl with long, dark hair and she was like banging on the windows and she was just like this innocent looking thing, but I woke up terrified and it was kind of like, I think that we are often so afraid of um, those pieces of ourselves, the, the shadow side or the, the parts of ourselves that we feel aren't going to be acceptable. Um, and yet I've made friends with that little girl, right? And it was, a, it was a very powerful thing for me to do. And it totally transformed my life in certain ways. So it's, it's, it's almost like we resist the dialogue. We resist even seeing those parts of ourselves. And yet it can be so incredibly transformative, Jacob, when we, we befriend them. We befriend those parts of ourselves. I love hearing, and we were talking in the break there, Christine, um, I just love hearing people like you who have done the work. And so just talking about that dream and how you see it and um, have used it as a tool. You know, one thing I want to say is that um, I think it's easy for people to hear folks on the radio or in a workshop, you know, upfront talking about things. And think, oh, okay, well, someday when I reach the horizon, then I will have done enough work where that's actually possible or true for me. And I'm not there yet. And I want to say that the only way any of this works for me is is that it became a daily practice because Mm -hmm. these voices, there's the, 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 the psyche is vast and these parts in there, they need daily like safety and maintenance and love um because Mm. i know that if i turn away from that practice it's not as if i reach some point and crossed a threshold where oh yeah now this isn't a problem for me anymore no if i don't if i don't keep up with this in a really gentle good way um i find myself then showing up in the world and in ways that you know feel old and feel broken and so it's like this has to become this really gentle nourishing practice is what i've found Mm, I love that. Um, before we go any further, I want to make sure our listeners know how they can connect with you. Uh, tell us about your website and your Facebook page and also about any events you've got coming up. Oh, thank you. Well, I mean, jacobnordby.com is one place. And you know, this journaling practice we've been talking about, I have a free um, ebook PDF download that, that people can get right now um, for, for that. Um, so jacobnordby.com is one place. And you know, one event that's coming up um, is the book release, but ahead of that, people, anyone who'd like to maybe low, go a little deeper, I have a video um, workshop that is recorded and available right now at creativecure.me, 
creativecure.me and they can find out about the book, but they, you can get access right now to a video workshop um, that I just loved sharing with, with people um, during a recent um, event with Julia Cameron and Sark and some other amazing creative uh -huh. leaders. Oh, I love Sark. She's been on the show too, yeah. Yeah, oh, she's she has. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the the meditation and the journaling um, and asking some of these important questions that you're talking about. What are what are the steps from that kind of checking in, that communication, the dialoguing to uh, living a more creative life? Well, Christine, what's interesting for me is as I use these processes, um, what I notice is that as I befriend myself in 15 or 20 minutes a day, you know, I'm like you, I have a very busy life. I have kids and people need to be taken places and all of that. So it's not like I'm living in an ashram somewhere. Um, uh -huh. <laughs> no, it's 15 or 20 minutes a day of, of just intentionally be re-befriending myself every day in some small way. That sends this powerful signal to the inner self, the psyche, the creative self, all these things. Um, and what I find then is that, and now we're in an, an interesting, possibly metaphysical space where I find that the more I reconnect to that vital self, the spark, things begin changing in my outside world. And I think this goes back to some ancient teachings of as within, so without. Right. So as I answer those questions, how do I feel right now? What do I need? And then the third one, we, we didn't talk about earlier. What would I love? Now we move into imagination. Yes. Little pictures. What would I love? How would I love to feel? I've begun noticing this fascinating, very, very powerful connection to doing that little bit of time every day and watching what I would call miracles happen in my real life. Oh, love that. And by the way, let me just say a miracle, the way that I've been able to kind of phrase this more, more down to earth is I, I feel like a miracle is something good that happens when it seems like it shouldn't given the circumstances. Right, right. That's a great way to define it. Yeah. Okay, so in, we've got just a, a few minutes left. Um, what's, what's your advice for people who are stuck in fear because there are a lot of people in fear right now. Yeah. Fear, you know, political fear, um, health fear. I mean, fear is rampant right now, including within what I consider to be the conscious community. How can opening up that connection to creativity help alleviate or heal that fear? was just pausing as you were asking the question, just letting myself breathe a little bit, Christine. And that, that breath, I would just like to say right now in this moment, not later today or you know next week or sometime when you wanna think about it again, right now, if you can reconnect, just breathe, you're alive. Mm -hmm. The intelligence, the wisdom, the power of life that is in you, that is that creative spark, um, it really does know the way through these things. Um, the more that you reconnect to that and allow it to express in small ways around you, creating artful moments, creating connection and love. All I know is that what is within my own arm's reach is what I can do anything about in these times. That's all I can do anything about. And I find that the intelligence and the spark that brought each of us here, you, me, everyone listening here, 
it has the power to transform the things within our own arm's reach. And I feel that reconnecting with that health, that personal health, mm-hmm. if I come into that more fully, then, then that begins to spread, like every healthy cell spreads health to the cells around it. And so I would just like to invite each of us, to me, that's the essence of living a creative life is living in true health and bringing mm-hmm. more health and beauty into the space of our own lives. And I feel like I'm not on a campaign to change the world. I'm on a campaign for myself to reconnect and heal relationships and my relationship with myself mm-hmm. and with the divine in whatever way we call that. And I right. find that knowing more and more that that is true is discovering that's enough, you're enough. Mm. You talked about healing the relationship with yourself. Is that piece key to the other relationships getting healed? I don't see how it can be separated from those things. Yeah, yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. Okay, so you've worked with a lot of people. Um, Have you helped open them up to a a creative practice that has led to shifting a career, perhaps? You know, I I loved the the word coach is common. I've I've come to adopt the term guide for myself because I really don't feel like I'm telling them what to do, but sitting with people in intuitive space like this, helping them reconnect to their inner wisdom and their inner creativity. It's fascinating to watch people come back, you know, a month, a year later and say, oh my God, I can't believe what's changed in my life. I finally had the courage to reconnect with my mother and my God, that's transformed everything. Or I finally ended a marriage or any, you know, many things like that. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. That's inspirational. Um, Jacob, it's always a joy to have a conversation with you and I'm sure our listeners and and viewers are, are, you know, grateful as well, but I want to thank you for being here today. And I want to thank you for showing up for yourself and showing up for others and to inspire them, inspire us. Mm, thank you so much, Christine. I love seeing you and hearing you. And, and, and I just want to say to everyone listening right now or later, I love you. Thank you for being here. You're enough. We need you. Yeah. Oh, that's so powerful. Yes, each of us is enough. Yeah. And I want to thank you for joining us here today. Again, um, his book's coming out in February. Uh, the Creative Cure, jacobnordby.com. Thanks, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in today. If you'd like to empower yourself to step further into your vibration of change, please visit my website at christineupchurch.com where you can learn more about my insights, upcoming events, and private sessions.